Coming up on the Front Page Football Podcast, we are talking all things NPL around the country, particularly with a focus on NPL New South Wales. Of course, grand final over the weekend, Blacktown City taking it out, 2-0 winners over Manly United. We will have, to open this podcast, Matt Sim to uh, get an insight from the Manly perspective into uh, their grand final defeat, unfortunately, but also to talk about Matt Sim about his role with the Sydney FC on the 20 side, uh, who actually did win their championship earlier in the day as well. And uh, just a great chat to uh, to have Matty on and talk a few things uh, around uh, development and, and second division even and, and this sort of stuff to do with Australian football. So that will start this podcast. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about the NPL final series happening in South Australia and Victoria. Some fascinating results over the weekend, some absolute thrillers as well. Uh, in both states, which we will be covering. And then we're also going to touch on, right at the end, talking a bit about football over in WA, what's been going on there. Our correspondent uh, over there, Matt Olsen, is, uh, yeah, uh, he's got his ear to the ground on that one, uh, and he has for a few years, and he'll be giving us uh, a bit of a wrap-up of, of what's been going on there and, and, and some historical background into into some of the issues as well that are, that are happening over there uh, too. So, yeah, all different angles in this podcast. We're also going to talk a little bit about uh, some football in Queensland as well. Five different states. Uh, we've got two guests with me. Uh, sorry, one guest, two writers. Anyway, it's all happening. Uh, I'm your host, Christian Marchetti, and we'll be back right after this. Okay, so we're taping this podcast about 8.30 on a Tuesday night, Australian Eastern Standard Time. And tonight we have a pretty special podcast. It's an NPL-themed podcast. Uh, and I'm joined by FPF writers Antonis Pagonis and Matt Olson. Boys, how are we? Good, how are you? Yeah, going, going fine, Christian. It's good. Yeah, okay. That was pretty subdued, but, um, you know, okay. Uh, I'll just, I'll take it. That's all good. Uh, and uh, we're also joined uh, by a special guest tonight, just to kick off this podcast, of course, off the back of the NPL New South Wales Grand Final over the weekend. Uh, Manly United star Matt Sim is joining us tonight as well, uh, just for the start of the show. Matt, how are you? Very well, thank you. Uh, happy to be here. Fantastic. So we will uh, kick off with the NPL New South Wales and, of course, uh, Manly United and Blacktown City. Uh, the grand final played over the weekend at Combank Stadium in Western Sydney. Blacktown uh, taking out the championship in that one 2-0. Uh, and we've got, of course, Matt here with us tonight. And Matt, so Manly United uh, going down the final, of course, commiserations, 2-0. Um, but um, when you reflect on, I guess, you know, the season and what you achieved to get to the final and stuff, um, you know, what's what's your overall, overall thoughts now when you've had a few days to, to look back on it? Yeah, obviously the first feeling that comes when you lose a grand final is disappointment. But I think, you know, when you start to reflect, you know, in the, in the days after the event, you know, the season that was, we we had a little bit of a disjointed season in terms of injuries. We missed a lot of players. I mean, our two number nines or players that were signed to be our number nines pretty much out of the 50 games we played, I think only played about 13 or 14 collectively um, across the course of the year. So that obviously didn't help. And then 
we had a few other key injuries throughout the season that were sort of medium term. And so to have achieved what we did, you know, we lost the minor premiership on goal difference and then obviously beaten beaten by the better team on Sunday, on Saturday, sorry, in the grand final. You can reflect and look back and say, look, it was a, it was a good season, but you know, it's something as you get older and you get to my age, you, you want to win as many things as you can and uh, opportunity lost. And of course, Blacktown as well, uh, very successful under under Mark Crittenden, um, the coach as well, and and saw Travis Major scoring um, as well in the final, and and they were fantastic all season as well. Um, just give us some thoughts, I guess, on on them, um, you know, and and them winning the championship. Uh, was it, I guess, still, you know, still happy to, I guess, not happy to lose, but to um, lose to a team like them, is there no no shame in that? I guess. Yeah, I think I've always kind of admired the way that that thing or the way Crito and, and Blacktown have done things. I think they always look to sort of promote and bring from within all players that are from the local area that have gone on to play A League or whatever. And you know, they always build their teams around kind of pace and and trying to to score goals and. You know, I think when they signed, you know, obviously Danny Choi and Trav in the mid-season window, everyone was probably looking and reflecting and thinking, okay, well, maybe they're the team to beat. And, you know, they went on a little bit of a, a good run during the season and then they obviously lost it on the last day of the year and, and ended up finishing third. But you kind of see their quality across the pitch and they're very well structured defensively. You know, the game for us, you know, we probably were slow starters in that first half, but I think second half we probably had definitely more of the ball, but, you know, they're still a threat and, you know, effective in the way that they play. And that's the way they got their second goal to kind of kill off the game. So, you know, credit to them, you know, they're, as I said, they're, they've kind of been there or thereabouts for the last few years. And, you know, it was their first grand final since 2016. And um, I think, yeah, they were deserved winners on the night. And so, of course, earlier in the day, uh, on a much more lighter note uh, for yourself, uh, of course, coaching, uh, Sydney FC on the 20 side and, and winning the championship over Mount Druitt uh, 3-1 in, in the final. Um, just give us some insight because obviously it's great to have you on as well. Just talk a little about that into into what yep. it was like to coach um, to coach the Sydney under 20 team um, this year and uh, and eventually, of course, take out silverware and, and yeah, uh, be successful. Yeah, it's a bit surreal. Uh, kind of, you know, getting towards the end of my career now and you know, I've been involved in a little bit of youth development coaching for the last few years. And when the opportunity came up to go to Sydney FC this year, it was one that I couldn't really turn down. You know, it's obviously got a pipeline of producing not only players, but coaches. I mean, there's been a lot of high-level coaches that have coached in the academy. You know, David Drillich was there, Shane Smelt, Steve Corica started there as well, Robbie Stanton. So it's been an excellent platform for coaches as well. And to kind of get involved in, in that level of uh, a professional academy was something that I couldn't really turn down. And, you know, across the course of the year, I've been very, very lucky to be involved, obviously, with that under-20 group. We've used a lot of players, players as young as from the under-16 team. A lot of the, the players who have played for, for for the Joeys that are Sydney FC players have played for the 20s. Um, some of them have played a lot of minutes for the 20s up until when they went away in the recent, recent tournament overseas in Indonesia. So, you know, we were lucky you know, that's well, not lucky, I guess, but it was once the NPL season finished, you know, a lot of the players at Sydney FC are age eligible for the under 20s still. So it's the opportunity for them to play more matches because we're regularly talking here about in Australia, you know, that our players don't play enough. So the opportunity to bring some of them back and it was, it was good also because there's a few in that team, you know, probably Hayden Matthews, Mats Garcella, 
Zane Schreiber, uh, Lucas Smythe even as well that started the year in the under-20s or when they're at the club, you know, at the start of this season in the under-20s and kind of progressed through to the MPL. So to sort of see them come back and lift the trophy that they'd contributed to throughout the season was was very positive as well. And I have to ask you about uh, one player who was with the 20s this year but then also played uh, in the MPL uh, with much success uh, because we've got one of our writers, Ian uh, Pulzinski, did an interview with him and he's got a bit of a admiration for him. Uh, Jaden Kucharski, uh, who's... Yeah. Uh, hopefully, maybe going to make a, a bit of an A League breakthrough next season. But um, yeah. just just give us your thoughts on on Jaden and his development. Uh, because Ian unfortunately couldn't be with us here tonight, but he, he really wanted us to. Uh, yeah, just yeah. Uh, yeah, get get a bit of your thoughts on um Jaden. Yeah, I've kind of been speaking to the guys at the Sydney FC. I've known them for a while. There, you know, I've probably known Kelly and and Jimmy, who I work with for over ten years now. And I remember Jaden's name coming up a couple of years ago when he was kind of on the cusp of the Joey's and. Um, sort of breaking in there. And I remember one of the first NPL games I, I saw him play was actually when they played against us at Sydney United two or three years ago. And he had a couple of moments of magic that day. Him and Adrian Segasic as well both played that game. And a lot of people, you know, from around Sydney United who have been around professional football were kind of saying, well, these two, you know, were very good today. And, and then he had a bit of an injury and a bit of a setback. But at the start of preseason last year, you know, as soon as I joined the club and I kind of saw him at training and everything like that, little bit of the bit between the teeth and said that this was kind of going to be the year for him. And, you know, he really kicked on in the NPL this year. I mean, if he probably had played the last couple of games, probably a good chance he ends up with a golden boot, but he was off to the A-League squad for the Australia Cup, um, which is what you want, you know, by to see a player kind of that young really be that dominant in a lot of games. And he's such a clinical finisher. Um, was really positive to see. And you know, now he gets what he wants. He gets his A-League opportunity as a scholar at, at Sydney FC and, you know, he's got to kick on now and and hopefully get some minutes in the uh, in the start of the season when it begins. And so uh, just back on Manly uh, for a second. So, of course, there's going to be uh, some changing in the coaching side of things with uh, Adam Griffiths uh, leaving the club and, and Patrick Svansvike uh, was announced as, as the new coach a couple of weeks back. Um, what's, what's the thoughts around that? Um, Patrick coming in, uh, another ex-kind of A-League uh, veteran, as well, uh, coaching the team. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a, it's a massive coup for the club, you know, to have, you know, someone of his caliber come in and sort of take over from Griff. You know, I don't think they're going to be too different in terms of maybe the style. You know, Patrick's obviously Dutch and, and has a background for attacking football. I, he was at the Mariners when I was there and, you know, the way he thinks about the game and, and the experiences that he has, a you know, top, top level. You know, you're talking about a guy who played, you know, three, 400 games in the Dutch Eredivisie played in the J League and obviously won a championship here as well. So, you know, he's got that level of pedigree um, to sort of walk in and, and, you know, put his ideas down on on what he sees for the group. And I think it's probably a little bit of a, a sign from Manly as well that they, you know, want to go and keep competing. You know, we were so close this year, like I said, considering, you know, what we, what we went through. You know, it's kind of probably an opportunity to say, okay, let's go out and there's no finals anymore, so it's first past the post next year. And let's try and, you know, assert some some regular dominance in the league and compete for that trophy every year. And just before I throw over to um, Antonis Max, I'm sure they've got some questions for you as well. You just mentioned it there about, uh, of course, the change in format next season. Uh, first past the post, no more finals. What's your thoughts on uh, that being, at the moment anyway, the last ever grand final uh, in the competition as well and, and the format changing? Yeah, a little bit of a mixed 
you know, I think, you know, in Australia here, we're so used to finals across all of our sports, a little bit, obviously, the American model. Um, so, you know, as a player, you kind of think that it kind of continuously gives you something that you're still striving for if you're not in that race for first come, you know, the last end of the season or, or whatever it might be. So it's a little bit like, okay, it'll be interesting to see. But I think also at the same time, it comes down that it's going to be a little bit more importance on the cup as well i think you know the the challenges for a lot of the mpl clubs is you know when you're juggling a small squad and you start to have a lot of cup games bank up there's not a lot of teams that can kind of do really well in the cup and you know the finals um and and kind of back it up through there i mean when i was at Sydney united in 2019 we were lucky enough to go waratah cup final round of 16 ffa cup and grand final but we were on bare bones and we kind of walked our way into that grand final and and didn't win it. So it's it's probably going to help teams or probably going to hopefully encourage teams to take that a little bit more seriously to try and get to the FFA Cup a little bit deeper. I mean, there was a lot of MPL1 clubs that didn't make, you know, the the sort of last day of the Waratah Cup this year, you know, because they'd been knocked out along the way. So, um, you know, for instance, we, we fielded, not our strongest 11 out at when we played Northern Tigers um, and they smacked us, absolutely whacked us. So it kind of shows that if you don't take those games mm. and bring everyone out, then, you know, you're not going to get through. So hopefully given that there's no finals to play, so there's, you know, something not to worry about if you're mid to low table, you take the cup a little bit more seriously. The other side of it, I kind of look at, you know, from the under 20s point of view is that maybe it's something that they've got to look at moving forward as well is trying to still give younger players the importance of these individual games because, what you don't want is obviously players who aren't exposed to playing in really important one-off matches once they get to senior football and then have never experienced anything like that before. You know, we had some boys in our Manly team on the weekend who'd never seen anything like that before. Um, and it takes a little bit of time to get, in, to get going in those kind of things. And I kind of think, you know, especially for, for players at Sydney FC, we've got, you know, where we're trying to fight for, you know, first team titles every year. It's a great occasion that to play for those boys to play in that game on the weekend. You know, there wasn't a massive crowd there for the 20s game, but it started to build, but it was loud. It's a different atmosphere. The other team really wants to win because it's a one-off game. And it's kind of really important, I think, for the development of our young players still. So hopefully something they consider moving forward. Yeah, Matt, um, it's a pleasure to be with you, mate. I just, one, one thing that you kind of raised there about sort of, obviously the transition away from finals, but the importance of the cup as well. Um, for a lot of MPL teams, the there's there's more of a financial incentive and, you know, bigger exposure and, and whatever else coming from the cup. So, so how, from an MPL perspective, do big clubs sort of balance that, knowing that the cup can be more important under certain circumstances? Yeah, I think it's def- definitely something to consider. I think if you look at, you know, Sydney United this year, they kind of didn't have a really good start in the league, but as they kind of played the cup games and won them and pushed on, you kind of saw that, you know, the the importance they were kind of out of the finals. So they kind of had those few league games where the coach was making a lot of changes at halftime to try and get as many players minutes as possible because he knew he had these FFA Cup games coming up in the Waratah Cup semis and finals and they've kind of gone on that run now, which has been amazing. Um, but I think it's definitely a balancing act because... Like you said, if you if you draw a, an A League team and you get to the round of thirty two of the cup, financially, what that's worth to your to your club is is massive, um, and you don't really probably want to take away the integrity of what's happening in the league at the same time as well. But also, I think it's a really good opportunity then to be saying, okay, our squad size is going to have to increase, in particular with the thirty game season coming here in the NPL New South Wales, which has taken forever for them to get, and it's finally happening. 
you're going to need to have, take a larger squad. But once again, can that just mean that we're going to start bringing through more players? There's a higher importance than now on the under-20s and the players you're bringing through your club. Um, I think obviously the A-League academies, and, and they've been in now for seven, eight years, NPL clubs now need to start to be saying, okay, if we are ever losing players now to the NPL or to the A-League academies, we need to ensure that we've got strong foundations of other players coming through to still get to our first team. Because I think one thing that's starting to happen here now in New South Wales is that, especially now because there's four good teams coming up of two A-League academies, two non-A-League academies from NPL two, is that the player pool now is going to be a lot smaller in terms of how you recruit. So it's not as easy now for an NPL one club at the end of the season to go, okay, we need 10 new players. Where are you going to get them from? Because there's now 16 teams in MPL one of which the A-League academies are taking, finding, bringing their own through and are recruiting good young ones that they see every year or whatever. And then also, you know, you've got more teams to compete with for the MPL one spots. Whereas before it was like, okay, we can go to MPL two and grab the best ones. A lot of them are coming up now with these other teams. So, you know, it's something that hopefully just means that cup opportunities can be, okay, if we've got midweek games, we need to have a blend of a few younger ones that we trust and we understand are going to be, you know, in the first team moving forward, but also balance it out with the league as well. I think that that's an important thing to consider. And just you mentioned about Sydney United's Cup run, and obviously you're someone that has been quite well connected with that club, spent five years there. How have you seen, obviously they haven't had the most impressive NPL season, how have you followed their um, Australia Cup run? We're a game away from a grand final. How have you seen that? Yeah, it's it's pretty pretty impressive. I mean, the thing is with with that place, you don't really realise how big of a club it is until they they have these games on the big stage. And that on the weekend, I heard some things that was like a thousand away fans there, yeah. which is just like you're like you don't get that for some travelling A League teams and. Mm to kind of have that level of active support and you see the size of that club and even the game before when they beat Western, you know, it's no secret that they've obviously produced so many players and coaches over the years, and but it's a very proud club. So any opportunity they have to really chase silverware and chase being competitive, they're not going out there to make numbers. So it's, it's I can't wait now to see who the draw is going to be because it looks like it's it's likely to be an A-League team. Mm-hmm. Um so it'd be interesting to see who they get, but I wouldn't write them off in any case because there's a lot of quality in that team. You look across that team, I'd say majority of them have been either professional footballers or been A-League youth footballers. So on any given day in one-off games, and this comes back to our conversation before about young players and giving them opportunities to play in these games when they're younger, um, I definitely wouldn't write them off, but it's been it's been amazing to see. and. And hopefully they do well in the uh, in the semi-finals and be that first NPL team to make a, an Australia Cup final. Mm-hmm. And like you said, with those travelling supporters and even at home, that's the big thing, care factor. And that's for me, lasting for me is where the elephant in the room comes in with this national second division that we keep hearing about and about coming in. You obviously have your own... I thought, I thought we're under. leading into second division. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> You obviously are involved with the under-20s of Sydney FC being their coach. You see a lot of fantastic players come and go, but unfortunately, there's only 12 professional clubs in our country. And a lot of these players don't get that chance, especially somewhere like Sydney FC that recruits so heavily and has so many quality foreigners. How important do you think the potential second division is Firstly, for those clubs like Sydney United to get a chance at the national stage again, 
And secondly, for those players that often go under the radar to get a chance in a national league. 100%. You know, I, I, I was very lucky. I didn't get, I was kind of debuted as seven, like 17, 18 year old with the, with an NPL club and then kind of the youth league started out. So then I was playing youth league and then I got released from the Jets and then I came back to the NPL and I didn't really get my chance at 23, 24 um, in the A-League. If In today's day and age, it probably wouldn't happen now because it's very difficult. There's not a lot of NPL first grade players who haven't already been involved in an A-League setup that are doing enough to get an opportunity. There's a couple of NPL players here that have had trials this year already for pre-season that have done really well in the NPL but they're not going to get a contract. It's it's just too difficult for them. So you look at this and you think yeah, a perfect example is at a club like Sydney FC and, you know, we have players because there's a little bit of a bottle in there. Kelly Cross talks to us regularly about it that, you know, the higher you go up, obviously the smaller the funnel gets. And it's very, very difficult, especially at a club like ours where, you know, a lot of the players that get scholarships at ours end up getting full pro deals. So you're talking about the elite young players that are getting opportunities at our club. And then that's obviously, okay, what else is out for them in the professional pipeline? And something like this, I think, would be massive for all the young players because they're getting such a good education, you know, at places like ours that it just, it's, it's like you said, it's really hard for them to get that opportunity to get a pro deal. A second division would be huge for them, you know. And you're talking these are guys that are like 19, 20, 21, that still want to give it everything, that still got a year or two left of studying and not really worried about going into anything else yet. Like you get with, obviously, once you enter MPL land, that people start thinking about other jobs and those kind of things. So it, it it's something that needs to happen. The format just needs to get sorted. It's been going on and on and back and forth for as long as I can think now. It's it's draining, you know, and speaking to people in MPL land, that's, that's what it is. It's draining because... You know, the, the thirst for it is there. And especially when you see, you know, our semi-final against Blackdown, the, the crowd and the atmosphere in that game for the amount of people you was there was like incredible. Even the, the final on the weekend, same thing. You know, it's two of the probably not big supported, you know, MPL clubs, but still three and a half thousand people there, you know, for a massive game. So there needs to be some kind of format that it's, we're hearing obviously maybe a Champions League style format between the top few teams or it's going to be an actual thing, whatever it is, it just has to be done because we're losing too much time and opportunity with talented players, especially who aren't getting their opportunity, who may still develop into top level footballers. You know, we've, we've got so many of our socceroos that have actually come through at different waves and different ages Um to say that, you know, we're, I'd love to think how many we've lost in the last five, six, seven years just because we don't have enough opportunities. And COVID was one of those things that kind of helped the A-League a little bit. It dropped the average age because foreigners stopped coming, budgets got cut, so some of the older ones rotated out. But that still hasn't been enough where we look across and we say, you know, every year we're bloodying 100. You know, if you look at the J-League, look how many young players play in the J1, J2, J3 every year and the amount of players they sell to Europe. You know, every single year they're selling 20, 30 players to, to top level European leagues that have already played 100 games by the time they're 21. There's not many of our A League players that have done that. So it's if, hopefully something gets announced, you know, in the next few months because it's, uh, it's definitely something that's got to happen soon. Absolutely. All right. Uh, I just, I, I yeah, think there's Matt, a point yeah. I want to expand on there, but I'll leave it for after Matt's, Matt's gone and we, we can have a bit yeah. more of a chat about it. Because um, it's a look, it's basically, if I could just sum it up, it's, that is a very sort of New South Wales, Victoria problem. I don't think, and you guys are obviously from Adelaide, so it's a, it's a different question for you guys as well. But but I think from in terms of 
just a lot of the players within the, the state setups having a lot of A-League experience. It's, it's not a thing over here in Perth, right? So we would need a second division team to be able to send our better players from the MPL setup because right now a lot of them are going to New South Wales and Victoria's own MPL mm. for that sort of second tier of experience. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just as vital for us over here, right, that we, we get a professional setup um, for that sort of in-between in from the MPL standard to to the the, the players that are playing for, for Perth Glory, right? So, yeah, I t- it, honestly, I think it's it's just as vital for the question from a national perspective as it is for the clubs that are getting better and better at MPL level. I mean, obviously, clubs like Sydney United and that, they obviously have a lot of A-League experience, just as many coming out of Victoria as well. So, yeah, the, the question's there. But I, I just think that, you know, it's, it's not as straightforward when you consider how many other clubs are around the country and, the thing and what, what football's like, and I, I see some of the um, the play. Kristen Santich, for instance, who plays with us at at Manly United, came out of yep. uh, the obviously the Perth League there, and I know mm. a couple of people over there that work within the NPL clubs that I speak to every now and again that are telling me about the players that are coming out there and going to Victoria, and then you see them go there and they do really really well, and it's like. Yep. Players shouldn't be having to travel that far to play semi-professional football. You, there should be no, something no, exactly. set up to give them the opportunity. Same with Brisbane. Brisbane gets decimated every year with their top-level players that go to the Victorian Premier League. And you're like, yeah, we're at the point now where surely we can set up one and two clubs in these areas to compete against you know, something across the board. And it, it would be incredibly frustrating. Like, I'm very lucky I was here in New South Wales, but if I was lucky, I'd spoke with Christian about this, that... You've got to travel halfway across the country to try and because you've got one A-League club. So if you don't get in by Perth Glory, but you still have this dream and you want to be a professional, you've got to yeah. move five hours on a flight, however long it is. And, and it's and I mean it's not just that as well. You've got to think about trying to settle in with somewhere to live, somewhere to get a job, because you're not playing a professional standard of football. No, it's really difficult right. for those guys, you know. So yeah. And those are way too common, these stories. <laughs> way too common. Yeah. Mm. All right. Uh I just want to finish, uh, Matt, just because <laughs> We did bring you on here primarily to talk about Manly and the grand final stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah. As usual, as we usually do on here, we get down rabbit holes. But um, the Manly is a club. So obviously uh, me and Antonis, for example, based in SA, Matt's based in uh, WA. So um, with New South Wales NPL, you often hear about like uh, the Arpias or, or Sydney United and these sorts of clubs, but Manly usually isn't in that kind of conversation. Um, just give us some insight into you know, what Manly is like as a club uh, and, you know, what it's been like uh, since you've been there as well. Yeah, so it's it's a it's a club with actually a very, very rich history. Obviously, Lucas Neal is probably the most high-profile person that came through there. But if you look across the A-League, W-League and the professional setups across the country in sort of the last 10, 15, 20 years, there's some pretty big names and surprising names that have actually been a part of the club. Like Danny Townsend played for the club who's obviously head of A-League men's now. There's been a lot of people, you know, A-League coaches um, who have played for the club as well and been around the club. So it's a club with a very, very rich history. The thing is with Manly, it's a part of probably the largest association kind of in the country. So the, the player pool on the base there is amongst one of the biggest. I mean, at Sydney FC, out of our 120-odd academy players, I think we've got 30-something Manly juniors. There's about four in our first team right now. But Harry Van der Stug's another one who's just gone out of Adelaide United. Um, I fi- sorry, I find that interesting because Manly area now that would be pretty rugby heavy, isn't it? Yeah. As well, yeah, that's the thing. It is so it's got obviously the Sea Eagles, but then it's got this massive football association. 
that just is a pipeline for talent. It's it's quite remarkable, actually. And, you know, it's, it's so it's one of those clubs that from a youth development point of view, you kind of don't really, it's in the top two or three in terms of producing players. Um, it's a place that obviously, like I said, Sydney FC continues to look at. There's a fair few of the Wanderers at the moment in the youth setup that are from that area. Um, and it's always kind of given really good young talented players early exposure to, to men's football. I was lucky enough to get early exposure up. Joey Gibbs, Chris Payne, there's been heaps that have come through. Johnny Stensis, another one who's obviously now in the Socceroos. Um, so a lot of players have kind of come through that club. And probably the main thing is that they don't really ever move away from that model. It's kind of every time a new coach comes in, the board, the people at the club understand that we're here to compete, but also we want to be bringing our players through. And we don't have many in our first team that aren't either from Manly, um, the area, um, or they're kind of diamonds in the rough that haven't been really playing NPL anywhere else here, or they were playing at a lower level and they're brought through or an under 20 level. So they're, they're quite good at that as well, which you need to be because obviously these big NPL clubs here in Sydney have a lot of power to kind of throw, throw their weight around um, in the market and trying to get players in. So They've, they've stuck by that in the last few years. They've been been really competitive. Um, 20 Grand finals in 2017 and then obviously now in 2022, which is a decent return. So, yeah, it's definitely a club that I think will continue on the up and up. Whether they have ambitions to go in the kind of second division thing, if it ever happens or when it happens, it'll be interesting because there's a lot of clubs here in Sydney that want to obviously go down that route and that'll be something that they, they cross when it comes, I think. And I think some A-League clubs can learn from that as well about that model and there's nothing wrong with being that club either you know it's as you said it does a lot of good for everyone else and people yeah. recognize it and i think a lot of ailey clubs need to recognize their spot in the food chain as well yeah. and yeah. start focusing on that side of it yeah all right uh terrific um thanks for joining us uh matt that was a uh, terrific insight actually on on all sorts of things um and uh, yeah i wasn't expecting to talk about the second division on this podcast but uh you know we got there so no worries yeah. and uh yeah uh, any any last thoughts uh from you guys antonis uh matt big great chat all right yeah all good. likewise <laughs> no problem thanks for having me guys no worries yes. uh we are going to go to a quick break and when we get back we're going to talk a bit about the mpl sa and mpl victoria Okay, so the MPL South Australia. So me and Antonis are here in South Australia, and it was a crazy weekend. Adelaide City booking their place in back-to-back grand finals after a really yeah, remarkable comeback against Campbelltown in the uh, semi-final second leg. Two late goals in the last five minutes. Looked like Campbelltown were going to go through. Uh, then Jai King, Charlie Devereaux with the late goals there as well. Uh, Antonis. We'll kick off. We have to talk about this game for a little bit. Uh, what, what were your thoughts? Yeah, it was very full on. I had a feeling that Campbelltown would really give it a good shake. And as you said, they looked home. They looked home, basically. Mm. They looked like they were about to make a grand final. Adelaide City was finally going to stumble. But for me, the biggest credit you can give Adelaide City is they never looked panicked. They never looked like they were rushing for a goal. They just yeah. kept doing their thing, kept doing their thing. No need to panic, no need to lose your head. And it worked out. You know, when you have a side with that's so well coached, with so much quality, you know the chances are going to be there. And to their credit, they stuck to their plan and 
right before injury time, they turned the game on its head. Yeah, and I think one of the other talking points coming out of this, just talking to a few people, was with Campbelltown, in, actually in both games, to be honest. So in the first leg, obviously nil all, uh, for those listening who don't know, nil all in the first leg at Adelaide City, and then basically they, they went back to Campbelltown with it all to play for in a one-off game. So with away goals, though, so had it finished to all, Adelaide City would have gone through and they just uh, finished it on the counter-attack anyway uh, for 3-2. But one of the talking points was around Campbelltown and their fitness levels uh, around both games. And and many people just kind of watching and stuff felt that it, in both games, it got to the 60th, 70th minute and it just looked like Campbelltown couldn't do any more and they were kind of burnt out in both, which was interesting in the first game because Adelaide City just, of course, had that massive 120 minutes against Adelaide United during the week and were, were just, they looked done, um, to be honest, particularly 60 minutes in that first leg. And then, yeah, it, it's, you know, they held on for a nil all. I think really Adelaide City were the happier uh, of getting a nil all in that first leg. And I thought that was a missed opportunity, to be honest, from Campbelltown then. And then that second leg was, um, yeah, Bit crazy to be honest. A couple of scrappy goals for Campbelltown, um, Adelaide City. Uh, Nicholas Bucco, uh, who is a real stalwart of the NPL uh, in South Australia, one of the one of the uh, the figureheads, uh, scoring a massive goal as well. And um, yeah, a great game between two two clubs of you know Italian heritage and and great crowds at both games as well, uh, which is always good when when the ground's basically ten minutes apart. So uh, that was that was terrific to see uh, as well. Yeah, and the other thing with this is that Campbelltown has really been the side that has been finishing strong during the season. They've had five, six games where they've pulled the win or a point in the last 10 minutes or injury time. So it's been very interesting mm. to see them finish slowly against City. But I guess that goes back to the intense pressure a Paul Pezza side puts on you with this constant pressing. So come on, again, come on, take oh, take it away, take it away. You wanna you wanna <laughs> just just lavish oh, you know Paul Pezos with the praise. It's... So it's yeah, all credit to them because as you said, they made Campbelltown look like they're out of legs. And that's not an easy thing to do. You can ask half the sides in the league. You can ask the Comets, who they cost them a top two spot in the final two rounds. And the Comet Comets are no slouches either. You know, so it's not an easy thing to make Campbelltown look average for a big part of the game. And the other thing that is big about those two sides is the interconnection, players that have played for both sides. Coaches like Mark Matriciani at Campbelltown, they used to coach Adelaide. Definitely, so, there was definitely a little bit of edge exactly, with the Matriciani. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My other question for you, away goals in the MPL. You said the grounds are... Away goals when they're 10 minutes away, yeah. yeah. Do you think away goals should remain a concept? Because I don't know, I'm not sold. I was yeah. not sold of getting yeah. rid of them in the Champions League, and I've been a big fan of seeing the back of them. So mm. I don't know. I think we should get rid of them. Yeah, and actually, I think we've seen just for, for everyone here who uh, probably watches Champions League football as well, we've seen the difference that's made having no away goals and people, you know, teams going out and attacking the first legs, not playing for draws, which actually happened in this legs. As I was saying, that first leg, both teams basically playing for a nil all. So. Uh, yeah, uh, just last one, Antonio's elimination. Then, right, this week. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I know. Hang on, hang on, sorry, sorry. Thing. Matt wants to contribute. Uh, he's from WA, but I you know, we'll let him contribute on this. <laughs> just the away goals. That, that's it. That's it. The away goals, uh, and also Paul Pezos. Um, 
where before the derby, when they interviewed him on Channel 10, he was having this conversation about the NSL grand final that happened. Let me get this right. The late eighties. That's right. When um, he was, um, with, with West Adelaide yeah. and Adelaide city. I yeah. think that and was just, the nineties, the 90, late nineties. Nineties. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yep. And his recollection of that was just, was just marvelous. So very, very little volume of Paul Pezos content, but I, I really liked the no, guy. You're, just allowed to to comment, you're allowed to comment on it because he used to play for first. So, well, yeah, that's, 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 that's actually true as well. As well. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. um, yeah, so, no, um, yeah. Just hold on. The away yeah. goals, uh, the away goals controversially got Ghana to the World Cup against Nigeria in the Africa playoffs. So, like, I hate it. And who doesn't hate it? And I don't think at, at a level, like you said, Christian, the, the grounds are 10 minutes away. I mean, what, what, what is, what is the fucking point at state level? Like, please. Yeah, uh, and for those listening, so Matt is Matt is basically like our historical correspondent. So with a lot of these chats, he's probably going to come in with like some weird historical angle, but you just got to kind of roll with it. So. Sorry, sorry, the game was like a few months ago. What are you talking about? The, the Nigeria Ghana game was like months ago. All right, whatever, whatever. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, so the interesting though that you mentioned Paul Pezos because of course you played for your boys Perth. Uh, yeah. And then also played for two two massive clubs in South Australia with West Adelaide and Adelaide City as well. And now he's potentially yeah. looking at um, back-to-back championships as a coach with Adelaide City. So very interesting uh, background there. But um, uh, yeah, so this week then, Comets will play Campbelltown at, uh, at Campbelltown in an elimination um, final. Winner, of course, then meets Adelaide City again, potentially Campbelltown, then just playing Adelaide City for a third time, which is the other thing that I'm not too sure about with these final series. But anyway, uh, in in the grand final, uh, or Comets will uh, after they knocked out Metro uh, on penalties, Metro Stars on penalties uh, on the weekend as well. Uh, Antonis, where do you think, what do you think, my bad, is going to happen uh, in that one? It's good to see me, the Comets have learned how to take penalties after last year. I'll start there. So it's good to see them more confident from the spot. Second of all, I think it's kind of been forgotten with Adelaide City's dominance. What a grudge match Comets against Campbelltown is. Because as recently as a year ago, you know, mm. they absolutely hated each other. Comets have been the team that has just done the job comfortably in the regular season. And then come grand final day two times in a row, Campbelltown's just gotten the job done. And Comets absolutely hate that. And, you know, Campbelltown just takes the piss. <laughs> for the lack of a better word you see on social media how they go off and basically have their fun with it and with a whole concept of yeah comments have done well but it doesn't matter because we pipped them on the final day so <laughs> it's a huge thing and i find it very fascinating that it's a semi-final now so we'll see i think comments well, probably want to um comments probably want to transfer uh, relocate to NPL New South Wales so they can get first past the post. Yeah, that's it. But that's the thing. This is the first time in like three, four years where the Comets have not been up there with the team's first past the post. Final round of the season, they were in the top two calculations. They finished third. They're still a very good side, but they're to, not to be side. fair, well, I mean, it's not like you know they only finished what four points off top. Yeah, oh, exactly. But you know, compared to what we're used to from the Comets, they haven't been this side that will just. Yeah. absolutely dominate you. Both the finals they've had this year, you know, you could argue either Corden or Metro stuff because it easily knocked them off if they're a bit more clinical. So, you know, 
I said at the start of the year, I had a feeling that the Comets would get it done without being the first team past the post. I'm not sure if I'm still that confident, but you know, you've only got to play two games and who knows. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah. And so, last thing we'll touch on in terms of our SA discussion uh, is some I do have stuff. I do have one more important point on SA, but please yes. proceed. Yeah, I can no, proceed. No, no, I want you. I want you. I want you to go first. You want me to proceed? Because what I have to say is yes. What I have okay. to say is very important, but we'll keep it till the very last moment. Okay. Okay, brilliant. I will proceed. So, State League second division in uh, South Australia, State League One, West Adelaide, uh, who. Many will know former NSL champions, uh, a massive club here in South Australia, moving one step closer to uh, returning to the to the first division, uh, to the National Premier League on the weekend as well after beating um, Mobbury Jets in the in the semi final um, of their final series as well. So, uh, Antonis, massive massive result that one for West Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Huge, they finished second, and like you said, they are a big club. And kind of like FK Beograd here in South Australia, once mm. they drop in the second division, they kind of get lost in the wilderness for a few years. They nearly got relegated last year. So it's been a huge turnaround for them this year, beating the Comets, who obviously once applauded on the national stage and were absolutely rolling the league. It was very impressive. So, yeah, in the grand final now, Comets play Parry Hills this week. I'm um, sorry, Modbury play Parry Hills. Yeah, I think, you just, Modbury... I think you just twice confused Modbury with Comets. <laughs> so if Modbury actually... Like we're the same colours. Leave, leave, leave them alone. Though. We're the same colours. <laughs> close, but not quite. Yeah, no. Well, they both got blue, but then Comets is yeah. blue and black and, and Modbury is blue oh, and black. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But my bad. Sorry. But yeah, Bloody if people Modbury from WA. makes the grand final, and that's the other thing with this final series, if Modbury makes the grand final, then it kind of becomes a bit meaningless that both sides yeah. are already up. Yeah. Yeah. Modbury from finishing top, West Adelaide from being in the grand final with Modbury. So it would be a huge achievement for them. But that's the other thing that I don't really enjoy, that we have a system where the grand final is kind of a sideshow because both clubs have achieved their goals. But yeah, huge for West Adelaide and I hope to see them up. All right, Matt, uh, take it away. You've got, you've got something you want to say. Fuck the Modbury Jets. Who, Mumbry? He is West mm-hmm. Australian. Was, oh, oh, my God. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Man, that took me a long time to register. Jesus. <laughs> of and course. Finally, uh, in an even those, more important point. Yeah, for West those Adelaide, hang on. your ground. Yeah, yeah. And so I just got to mention that once a podcast about West Adelaide not, not finishing their home ground yet. But um, and Tony, yeah. so you still so, are you still salty about uh, the grand finals that they lost in the NSL days? Thankfully, I was not in Australia. And that was <laughs> where Adelaide was at that point. <laughs> uh, Beautiful. But um, yeah, for those listening, of course, Matt's referencing the Armadale uh, result in the uh, yes. in the round of thirty-two of the Australia Cup. Uh, Matt, yeah. we we wanted to have you on for the last podcast where we discussed the Australia Cup, but um, yeah, that didn't uh, that didn't happen. You, uh, your round of thirty-two show. Don't worry, it, it wouldn't have been very, it wouldn't have been very pleasant. Yeah, it would have just end, been depressing. So. Yeah, yeah. Mm. All right. So, any anything else, Antonis, you want to mention just about South Australia at the moment and the local football scene? No. All right. All good. <laughs> just got a nod of the head, but not an answer. That's all right. <laughs> um, so, 
Victoria. Victoria. And Jonas, it's 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 an audio show, yeah. Jonas. You can't you can't <laughs> give nonverbal cues. The people need to hear you say no. There's a two thumbs up for the All people right. that are listening. Okay, uh, Victoria, Victoria. Then uh, you have, funnily enough, so. It seems like when you go through all these different final series, for some weird reason in every single state, I swear we've got a slightly different format for every single final series. So in Victoria, we've just got a standard top six, just pretty much like the A-League, actually. And you just got um, third versus six, fourth versus fifth, elimination finals, and first and second get the week off, wait for home, home prelims. So very easy, I guess, to have a look and, and analyze them. So Green Gully uh, defeating Bentley 2-0 in uh, the first elimination final and then a crazy game. Absolutely crazy between Oakley and Heidelberg. Three all after extra time. Oakley winning 3-1 on penalties. Heidelberg with two late equalizers, like last minute equalizers in normal time and then in extra time to send that game to penalties, which was uh, absolutely crazy. Uh, any any thoughts from you guys on the, on the results from Victoria over the weekend? Um, as expected for me with both guys, oh, with the Green Gully game, I, in my, uh, in my opinion, I had them going through over Bentley. I'm not sure everyone did. And mm. Oakley did it a bit harder than everyone expected against Heidelberg. But I think the results went as I expected, but two huge semifinals this week. Yeah, quite, quite a strong soft spot for Green Gully on my end. Um, obviously, historically, they've had Liam Boland in the past and also quite, quite a lot of WA guys in the, in the current squad right now. Mm. So, um, yeah, I, I think they, they would have been preferred over Bentley, but yeah. Yeah. And I also have a soft spot for Green Gully. They've got a couple of boys that have played in South Australia, South Australia, Nahuel Bernardo. They used to play for Metro, um, <clears throat> Mamadi Kamara, Nanda Del Boy, and then um, Garrett Abertu, they used to play for Adelaide United. Um, yeah. Uh, and also someone I really like, Gianluca Iannucci. They used to be part Melbourne of the victory. Melbourne victory yeah. system. So some very, yeah. very good players. Yeah, no, Alex Salmon, who was um, basically one of the most prolific goal scorers in the modern times of the of the WAMPL for Inglewood. Um, he, he plays for them as well. Um, and obviously they, they've had a lot of tributes for um, Don, uh, Danny Hodgson, who was, who yeah. was obviously um, King Hit um, and is now paralyzed. So... Yeah, um, just, yeah, just uh, obviously a bit of soft spot for, for Green Gully. But um, yeah, I, I mean, uh, the, the fascinating thing for me in sort of more recent years in Victoria is there there has been a bit of a strong shift in the pecking order from what it seems. Um, mm. Currently, if I'm wrong, South South Melbourne are on a bit of a decline anyway. And um, you know, not this year. Quite a few years now, but well, so, so, no, certainly okay. not this year. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. So, South Melbourne, of course, will play a semi-final at home against Green Gully after winning the minor premiership. Uh, now, here's where I agree with your pecking order point, and this actually leads me in nicely with Port Melbourne. Now, this mm. is a really probably the most interesting story around around all the MPLs is Port Melbourne and and their rise, finishing second this year in the regular season, and now playing the other final against Oakley. Uh, they'll have a home final, home prelim, and they've never been champions of the NPL Victoria. Um, but this year, they've been able to build a really decent squad. Of course, uh, George Mells, who uh, seems to be becoming a part of athlete-driven media uh, of late. Not, not sure if you've seen. George Mells is now mm-hmm. part of a podcast. So um, there you go. 
uh, as well as playing for um, Port Melbourne. And uh, we've also got uh, Jackson Courtney Perkins, who I'm not too sure is, I, I believe so, he is Jordan Co- Courtney Perkins' brother. Yeah, okay. I can't, I haven't been able to confirm that, but I, I'd imagine he used to play for Brisbane Royal Youth as well. So it, it's quite a know, unique name. I know, I know. Like it'd be, it'd be shocking really if he wasn't. Um, and he's had, he's got nine goals this year as well for them. And also Christopher Duggan is another one who played in Scotland for several years and 14 goals in 20 games this season has been terrific. And I believe, Matt, he's actually out of WA as well, Christopher Duggan. Uh, uh, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. Port, so, Port, Melbourne, Port Melbourne have uh, an interesting, again, I'm, I'm not going off a lot of information here, I'll be honest, but Port Melbourne have, have had a pretty good recruitment from sort of, there, there are a lot of sort of marquee players and, and people who have had a lot of influence from coming from overseas. Mm. Whether that's a direct contribute to their rise, I just look at, I'll be honest, I just don't have enough information to tell you. But um, yeah, I, I, they're a club that's sort of, they're in a good part of Melbourne where you, you're going to get uh, sort of a competitive sports team to sort of um, arise from. I, I just, I don't know much about sort of the ground where they play and the, and the infrastructure and that kind of thing. But yeah, uh, they've definitely never been a heavyweight club in, in no, the NBL yeah. before. So, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's a good story. So I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I was looking at this earlier today. Last time they won, so as I said, never been champions, but I think the last time they won sort of like a minor premiership in the top tier would have been, I think, something like 2002. Something something like mm. that. Uh, so, yeah. They they basically just been and bearing in mind, yeah. I mean, I mean, you, the, 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 your bigger clubs out of Victoria were still playing the NSL then, right? So, mm. Mm. and it's also just yeah. interesting. Um, and Antonis, give your thoughts on this as well. But with we just talked about SA Adelaide City. We're just now talking about Victoria South Melbourne. Both premiers this year. Both have been good last couple of years. So there's been kind of a f- thoughts, and we just spoke about it with the just talking with Matt there Matt Sim just before with the second division and stuff but are these kind of historically massive clubs potentially you know really upping their game making sure they've got all their all their you know ducks in a row and that they're ready and successful for for if a potential second division uh, comes along mm-hmm. so you need to be ready you need to be ready and it's not just on the field though too which I think a lot of clubs are finding out and are not happy about right now it's mm. financially too so it's a lot more than your on-field performance. And as you said, South Melbourne are doing, are having a great year. They were the premiers of the MPL Victoria competition. But for me, it's been Port Melbourne, this new up-and-coming club, as you said. Mm. Not new, I guess, but new. In yeah, that's not, the not, not necessarily yeah. the right no, way to yeah. phrase it. But yeah. 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 So more like new, finding new heights. And for me, they've been the... For them, I pick for this year. They've been they're the fourth team of the competition, a very good squad, some very good experienced players. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what the selection is when Football Australia does end up making a decision on how they're going to do the second division, who comes in, what are they going to prefer? Are they going to prefer the history of those clubs or are they going to prefer things that are off the field? that fans don't always appreciate. So that's something to look out for. Yeah, and of course, it looks like... So Oakley are two games away from winning the championship, and this time they can do it without going to court. So that's... um, that's always... their fault. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's always they're, good. Yeah. They're, they're having a pretty, pretty powerful season on their end. Um, I don't think they'll beat Sydney FC in the Cup, but... Yeah, of course, uh, yeah. 
yeah, no. Um, uh, really important player that came out of, of Perth Glory's youth system. Um, uh, playing for Oakley was, was Joey Knowles, and then he scored as a trialist yeah. for Brisbane Roar in the Cup as well. Mm. So very fascinating player um, and someone that since he's joined, almost at the year that he did join, I can't remember what it was off the top of my head, which doesn't help, but um, when he joined was sort of when they started to get really, really good and and, and, and kick into gear. So mm. Oakley are a really fun club to watch. There's no doubt about that. And um, at MPL level, you know, by comparison to their performances in the Cup, but for sure, yeah, no, great way about them at the moment. Their only thing, I think they've got a couple of injuries and it's already a loaded week for them with obviously uh, Australia Cup midweek and a big semi-final. So I'm hoping they can hold up and get their players out on the park because you obviously you want the best side, the best version of Oakley in both those games. But as Matt told us before, a lot of the times these clubs can run pretty thin, especially at this time of the year. So yeah, all yeah. the best to Oakley, but it's going to be, I reckon, nah, a very not, challenging nah, week. Nah. Fuck, fuck the Oakley stuff. I'm Port Melbourne all the way. I'm, 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 I'm going for the big oh, story. I hate Port Melbourne yeah, as but, well, but, but yeah, we'll see. Good luck to both of them. I want, I want a Port, Port Melbourne, South Melbourne grand final, and then like South Melbourne are going in, they're all arrogant, probably thinking that they can knock off like the underdogs, and then Port Melbourne just upset them in like a smash and grab. That's I've what I want. got Port Melbourne against Green Gully in the grand final. <laughs> yeah, that would be. Uh, that, yeah, that sorry. Uh, Matt, that would be unbelievable, to be honest. With South Melbourne, uh, if they were to get knocked out this week, that would be a major shock. To be shock. honest with you, I think they're one of those clubs that, yep, they've earned a week off, but I reckon in hindsight, they probably would not prefer it. I think they're one of these yeah. sides that need to continue on the roll. Mm. Uh, one thing that might work in their favour is with Harrison Sawyer leaving. He's a huge player for them, mm. but I reckon him leaving and going off to India, and best of luck to him, I reckon it makes them a bit more, a bit less predictable. So they're not, you can't really plan for them now. You don't have as much tape to know yep. what to prepare for. So very interesting. But yeah, I'm going Green Gully. That's it. So Harrison Sawyer moving to India. What's, um, is that going to start like a new India rating the MPL, like it rated the A-League a couple of years ago? Or <laughs> I wasn't expecting a South Melbourne to India transfer, but all power through them. Just, just, yeah, okay. Um, I, it's really far from the content of the show, and it, you know, <laughs> we don't do international stuff, but just, just quickly, just quickly, because some really sus stuff went down with the AFC. I don't know if you saw what happened. They essentially announced that the, that the All India Football Federation oh, was that, yeah. banned. And then within two or three days, oh, you're allowed to play football again and you're, and you're sanctioned and you're going to host an under-17s World Cup. Yeah, nothing, yeah nothing dodgy happened in those three days. <laughs> no, Jeez. it's very, very bizarre. But like the ISL, the ISL is just the most pathetic competition in the world, isn't it? I mean... Remember, remember when they used to telecast it here? Like yeah, on, uh, it was on, on Fox, it was on Fox, it was on Fox Sports. <laughs> yeah, they used to yeah, like weird. really late at night as well. It's like <laughs> they had a they had a really cool theme song back in those days as well. But that's whatever, whatever. whatever. I think this it's is like an a, ISL pod. Yeah, um, I reckon it's the type of league that you just got to like get really drunk and then watch it and then just like see, yeah, yeah see see how it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, any any uh, final thoughts on SA and Victoria before we take another break? Nope. Uh, again, you've got to talk on the. Uh, it's an audio show, as Matt was saying. <laughs> looking forward, looking forward to both semi-finals. They're going to be fantastic. Yeah. Surely a Greek club gets up. There's three of them. <laughs> <Yeah. out> of <laughs> four. 
All yeah, right. uh, I, yep. look, I, I, sorry, Christian. No, don't worry about it. No, no. <laughs> I just, I wouldn't be surprised if South Melbourne uh, just sort of run away with it. But I literally just said that they weren't even that good like a few minutes ago. So what do I know? Yeah, true. All right. <laughs> Got both papers covered. <laughs> I All did. Right. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, what's happening in WA and Queensland as well. Okay, so what is going on in Western Australia? We've got our man, historical correspondent, as I referred to him earlier, but uh, he's also a WA correspondent to Matt. Uh, Florida Athena over the weekend claiming their first uh, premiership since 2007 uh, in uh, the WA uh beating uh, Sterling Macedonia to to the premiership there in Western Australia. Give us uh, a bit of insight into uh, that. And uh, also just Florida Athena, uh, who we know one of the bigger clubs in WA. They've been the Australia Cup uh, or FA Cup, whatever you want to refer to it as, uh, in recent years as well. Just give us some insight into into what that means to that club and, and, uh, in, and into what's uh, been happening in WA at the moment. Yeah, well, well, first and foremost, Antonis, you'd obviously be thrilled that the Greeks won a title. Yeah, <laughs> always. Yeah, again, verbal, verbal. It's a, it's an audio show, Antonis. Um, no, <laughs> yeah, an audio show. Greeks. Um, yes. Well, is it not? <laughs> no, it's yeah, well, whatever. No, no, I'm just. I'm <laughs> agreeing. It's an audio <laughs> show. Yeah. 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 No, just, just I gone. thought you were going somewhere. I thought you were going somewhere with that. No, listen, um, Floriot is a very, very posh part of WA. Um, the club themselves, a lot of history, a lot of pride going back to, you know, we're, we're talking, uh, you know, sort of 50s, 60s, the heyday of when sort of WA football started to really, you know, I don't want to say it became mainstream mainstream or anything, but it was obviously, you know, the, the, the big boys of the game sort of building it up and, and building presence for football in WA. Uh, you know, Perth FC are obviously um, uh, the club that, 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 defines that but Florida Bah Athena would be uh just behind them as well um so yeah uh, uh, it probably means quite quite a lot to the community that's involved there and I don't necessarily mean the group community in that respect I, I just mean the culture of the club it, it, it would would mean a lot to them um uh you know they've they've obviously I don't know if you've actually seen that the game itself but they've they've snatched it at the very death against yeah. um Armadale who yeah. You know, I'm sure you guys are very well acquainted with now. Uh, but, um, 92nd minute winner. Yeah. 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 Um, that's the Australia Cup game. Yeah. Well, shut up. Um, uh, you know, but that. And Coburn, that's, and Coburn um, lost. And they're pronounced Coburn, <laughs> not Cockburn. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Just as an aside, did you, do you recall Tara Rushton did, did the, did the draw on Channel yep. 10 and she said Cockburn, which uh, did we just. Yeah. yeah well, that um, is how you said it, right? Everyone, everyone who is not from WA just loves it. And to be honest, we love it too. Yeah, Cochrane. Um, but uh, no, look, I, I just, I think for, for Floriot themselves, it, it's, a, it's a big deal. They've had in, in again, you know, I, I refer back to sort of the, the last few years. And when I say this, I'm probably going back in most cases, sort of 15, 16, when I really was probably last following the, the MPL out and out. Um, but they've had a lot of scandals with, with sort of... Um, finances and, and things like this going on. Um, most clubs in WA, we're in a position where, you know, our, our aim is to sort of 
try to be more like the setups that you have in South Australia or to be more like yourself whilst in Victoria. So in that respect, we're not talking about a club that's a, that's a heavyweight by any means. We're not talking about a club that's, uh, I don't think they've signed on to the AAFC or anything like that. So, um, you know, for, for what it is, it's a really, really important moment for, for WA football and, for, and Floriot. But from the perspective of, um, you know, sort of a big talking point in the game, I mean, let's just treat it for what it is. It's, it's not that big of a deal, but um, very, very proud moment for a very proud footballing community what- for sure. Yeah, it's interesting because so we talk about, you know, we're talking about second division and, and we're talking about, you know, uh, NPL say and NPL Victoria and stuff and NPL New South Wales. Now, those leagues are, are at a semi professional level. Is it, and this is no disrespect to, to the NPL uh, WA, but it's almost like the way you're talking about it, it it's just about actually just getting to a, a solid semi professional level first where, you oh, know. Uh... Or is, no, or is I, wouldn't, it... I wouldn't go that. I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't yeah. go that far. It's just that when, from our perspective, when we're looking at South Australia and the way that you guys are able to produce players, which to me, best in the country. Um, seriously, I, I mean that. When we look at, at, at Victoria, New South Wales, it, it 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 just is a genuine second division. Like it has that mm. feel of and these really big historical clubs from the NSL yeah. days. Whereas with us, you know. The NSL started in the 70s. Everyone was a part of it. We, we weren't, right? The Perth Glory were the only club to play in the That's NSL right. from WA. Yeah. So you can imagine that, that that development and a lot of that has sort of fallen behind. But that's not to say, that's not to say that, that these WA clubs don't, don't have history or anything like that. It's, it's far from it, actually. Our, our football competition goes back to the 1910s. Like we, there is a lot of history there. There's a lot of culture, a lot of really good players. But I think for us, it's more that, that we're like the third tier um, even though WA is listed as, as the second tier. And that, that's, that's kind that of what just I was sort of reminds yeah. me of the whole. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, but of course, it's semi professional. It's mm. still, you know, we still, we still, there's a lot from, in the literal sense, there's still obviously a, a really big emphasis on, on that. Um, but, uh, you know, and again, I, I, I leave the caveat that I'm not an out and out expert. I really, I, I haven't really been into the in, into the thick of it and into the roots of the WNPL for a few good years now so it's, it's hard for me to really comment on on the current state of the competition but I can tell you that compared to to what goes on in other states we we don't have we don't have our shit together essentially um you know where there's there's just constant scandals and things coming out you guys know about sort of the the Lee Griffiths thing where they signed him and it was this really big deal and then they've gone to charge you know sort of $15, $20 a ticket, which, you know, I've been to MPL New South Wales games, actually. I've been to, been to Blacktown, Blacktown City home game. Um, that's how much I paid to, to get in there. But because they're not actually in the MPL, they're in State League One, there is a, a ruling from Football West that you mm. can only charge as much as $6. Uh, I'm sure you, you did hear about this. So I actually I actually did not, was, but do you, you take uh, it away. Yeah, yeah. 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 So basically... Um, a bunch of people paid fifteen to twenty dollars to to get into this game because the league Griffiths, of course, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it was just Scots who freaking love Celtic yeah. who yeah. wanted, wanted yeah. to go see him play, and they, the 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 the, the pommies. Oh, I shouldn't say that, but the the English community, the the Scottish community in in WA, they're mostly the furthest north in Club or the furthest south in Mandras. So it was very very. It was you know it was prime prime real estate for league Griffiths to go play a football mm. game there. Um, but they kind of kind of ripped everyone off, and all the Celtic fans pretty much said, "Well, we don't we don't actually care that we paid that much. 
Um, so Mandra City kind of got away with it and they got to keep all their money. But um, <laughs> yeah, like, wow. I don't know, it's just, it's just really weird that, that I, I've never heard of a story of something like that happening in another state's football competition. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, you know, I just feel like we're, we're, we're going to be behind for a long time and whether that's systemic or whether that's a change we can actually make, I, I, I don't know. From memory, with regards to the AAFC, with regards to WA clubs that have signed on, uh, again, I, I could be wrong with this, but from memory, it was only two clubs from WA that signed on. One of them is like a third-tier club that's based in a really bizarre, like, kind of, uh, the best way I can put it, it's like the, the winery region of sort of eastern, eastern Perth, just really bizarre that they've signed on to the document. They've never been in the MPL. Uh, Allenbrook United is, is the club. Uh, and the other is sort of your more stereotypical big club. I, I don't remember who it was off the top of my head. Um, but, yeah, I, look, uh, not to take away from, from what's happened because we've had a really big season in terms of viral moments like the, the cup final between uh, Cockburn and, uh, and Armadale. Coburn, it's Coburn. Well, that's the joke. The, the big controversy that happened with the with the cup final and now again with our grand final with this really late winner. I don't want to dissuade from any of it, but at the same time, you've got, you know, a club that's not even in the MPL from South Australia coming to to Armadale, who, you know, are a pretty, pretty, pretty big club in their own right. Um, mm. They're actually not like a, a giant of WA football, but for, for them to have lost in the fashion that they did, it's it's just, you know, one problem piling on after another and, you um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess the season as a whole was pretty pretty positive um, and, and pretty good, but there's just too much too much um, going on that's that's negative. And, and honestly, the, just about the whole of WA feels like this, especially with what's going on with, with Glory as well. Yeah, and I'll just... I don't know, I don't know how much you want, to, uh, you want to talk about it, but um, just briefly, Perth Glory, uh, just, just whilst we've got you here, what, what's your thoughts on the situation at the moment in regards to the, the home games and, and HPF Park and what's going on there? But then, of course, also off the pitch, there's been some new signings and, and there's been some backing of Ruben Zakovic from the looks of things from, from Tony Sage. So what's what's your overall thoughts on on how Perth are looking for the A-League season? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a really strange dynamic, right? Because uh, sort of the management of the club seems really steady. You know, that the influence of the influence of sort of Andy Keogh, um, who's doing a lot behind the scenes, um, the influence of, of Tony Sage. I mean, we, we, we such a love-hate relationship there. That, sorry, and that's um, interesting because Tony Pinata, of course, has left his role as well as a CEO. They, of course, appointed yeah, the CEO. Yeah. To, to, be honest, to be honest, he was he was a direct influence of the Tony Popovich days, which mm. I, I regard as just a really massive outlier in the club's history. If we were to sort of talk about the football that Kenny Lowe played compared to the football that Garcia played, there's a reason that direct connection is made. It's because you have two state-based guys who wanted to bring a very unique style of play. And although they were never actually a direct carryover of, of, of another, I consider it that way because, you know, we had this, we had this extremely massive coach come from, from over east. Um, and we had these big administrators like Tony Pinata come from over east as well to influence the club, get us to a home grand final, all, the, all that kind of stuff. And the fact that Pinata stayed for a few years thereafter, actually, I just really commend the guy for that because he he was sort of a byproduct of something that, that wasn't a, a big part of our culture in our club. 
but he stayed he stayed through it anyway. And um, Peter Philopoulos as well kind of did the same mm. thing. Peter Philopoulos had us had a really decent run in the finals, and he was just this big admin, administrator from football football Victoria, right? But he's he stayed with the club longer than he probably would have intended to. Pinata did the same, so. I don't know whether it's a case of sort of going back to your roots, but but on, on the pitch, like you said, they've got things right. I mean, I I was I've been to a few of the preseason friendlies. The link up with Kolakowski, who's an incredible, incredible signing. Um, you know, I think I think that's an absolute steal, uh, Kolakowski. Oh, I think um, it's I think it's absolutely absolute criminal yeah. the way he was kind of just phased out at Melbourne City. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, Mustafa Amini coming up to fitness. I'll be honest with you, he was probably the worst player on the pitch uh, <laughs> in the in the friendly against Perth SC. But that's just a case of. Like, you know, he's he just needs to get to fitness. Mm-hmm. We know that he can essentially lead the club if he wants to. Um, he was wearing the captain's armband as well, but um, I, I'm not sure about the Williams brothers. A bit of a, a, a come home tour, I, I guess. There's a bit of a, there's a, bit of a um, recycle recycle vibe with David Williams, that's for sure. I I don't get it. Where If, if we're, you know, and I don't want to say this because we're still probably one of the worst teams in the league, but if we're stacked per se in any position, it's the forward line. So why yeah. are we bringing in David Williams? Like, I don't, I don't even get it. Mm. Good um, but yeah, look, I, this is an MPL podcast. So I, I, I'll just yeah. I'll quickly touch on the thing you actually want me to talk about, the infrastructure. <laughs> um, so again, you know, this whole thing about Kasuke Otto coming out and talking about uh, yeah. sort of P, uh, school PE classes and animals running onto the, the training ground. Yep. No, again, yeah. I don't. Yes. This is this is why this is <laughs> okay, why we need to have this podcast because you guys come in and you tell me what's been happening that I don't yeah. see. Okay, so basically, I only have so many hours Kasuke, in my day. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Kasuke Otto basically got interviewed by a TV channel in Japan, and he basically said that if players want to come to Australia, they're going to need to get used to training in public parks where school PE classes. It's not a school; it's a university, by the way. Huge disrespect there. It makes it sound way more tin pot than it was, even though it's really bad and it's really tin pot. Like I just, I just, we carry out there and animals and you know pet dogs and things like that running on the pitch. So the, the the oval that we were using, McGillray Oval, which is at the University of Western Australia, we're not there anymore. We're we're based out of um, Fremantle Oval, which I guess, from the perspective of sort of the heartland and Perth, is fairly controversial to be based in Frio, but. We get sort of a, a lot of amenities there anyway because Fremantle have the Fremantle Dockers in the AFL have moved to mm. to, uh, to 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 Cockburn. So um, <laughs> I'm always going to say it now because you want me to say it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as a result of that, we've basically taken over their facilities. So for a, a sort of a far cheaper price, we've got these elite level AFL facilities, which is really nice. Um, but the issue with that is there's a bit of a Brisbane Raw situation, sort of. Um, with that and, and this is just sort of the, the training facilities where I'm worried that the prices with that and Tony Sage being melodramatic every two seconds like I'm worried something's going to happen there but I don't, I don't want to get into it um, and finally with, with um, HBF Park not being able to be used we basically have three alternatives and they're all pretty grim um, we obviously thank what's happening with the you know the, the government for what's happening with the, with the upgrades and the Women's World Cup and all that kind of thing but it's 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 put the team back in in, in a really massive way. Um, financially, it's really going to cost them. So you know that's that's really unfortunate. But the three alternatives are to play uh, at a a waffle. Uh, so the waffle is the the West Australian uh, AFL league. 
Um, and that'll be, we'll be using the ground in Joondalup there. As I said, Joondalup, a really big sort of expat community from England, Scotland, a lot of people that want to be, be getting out to games and, and things like that. So that's a positive, but the ground is, is obviously not suitable for football. There's not even proper seating there, uh, which is really bad. The other alternative would be Leaderville Oval, which is in, in the heart of the Western suburbs. Nice central location, but again, it's just a, it's just a, like an AFL footy ground for community footy. Like it's, I don't really understand how you're going to do that. Um, do that up for, for A-League football. And the other alternative, which isn't too bad, would be using the Wacker, actually. And I think the, the Wacker mm-hmm. would be nice for a bit of an NSL throwback. Yeah. Um, and also just, just for the facilities there, like it's actually usable. The only problem is the government are also redeveloping the heck out of that to make it like a community centre now. They've knocked all the, all the old cricket grandstands down there now. They're building like a community pool there and stuff. So I'm just not sure how any of that's going to work. And then we're really stuck between a rock and a hard place. Um, and to, 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 uh, there's a perfect example of, of this going the right way was when the 2015 Cricket World Cup was on. The Wellington Phoenix used a, like a, a, a New Zealand League ground, the, the Hut Reserve. Yeah, yeah, um, that, yeah know, that's right. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of it, but it was, it was pristine. Like it was yeah, the ideal yeah. football ground, even though actually, it was all temporary. I actually felt, I remember seeing that and actually feeling like they should have played the, just played their home games there full stop, oh, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. Um, uh, but the, I guess, you know, the issue is that we literally just don't have an alternative like that in mm. WA. We don't. Um, mm. And, um, you know, people talk about going to Dorian Gardens or, or to lead us where Florida Athena play. The problem is the infrastructure is there for football. We would have to be adding temporary seating and things like that on, on top of it. And there's just not a lot of space to do it. Like, I don't, I don't think it can be done in that sense. Um, Channel 10 are going to have a lot of uh, sort of demands for yeah. their broadcasting. things like this, how, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that kind of thing. If, if you're doing that for like 38 weeks of the year or however long, um, I mean, I, I don't think you, you can do it. Um, sorry, to 26. I don't know why I said 38. I'm thinking about England <laughs> for some reason. Um, yeah, to do that for sort of 26 rounds of the year, I, I, you probably can't. Um, so, you know, the, the real concern is we're, we're paying members of the club, right? And how are you... How are you going to be able to justify it for us who've just paid, you know, uh, mm. several hundred dollars that you're going to go and take games over East for a third season in a row? I mean, that the club has financially, it's it's really like it's, I don't want to say it's suicidal, but it's it's not far off it, right? It's really concerning. And when you look at, at that, that's the situation of, of our only professional club, the MPL clubs and their situation, you know, they're, they're actually the ones kind of lifting the weight a little bit. Um, and they're the ones that are, you know, getting getting trounced out of the cup as well. So really, wherever you look, WA football's in a in a really bad place. But the, the MPL, the MPL did actually have a really good season. So I have to I have to commend it for that because mm. it, it got a lot of people from over east actually interested in the competition, which is which is rare. Um, and um, it's just uh, one thing I'd say is is it would be a good time for the the national finals to be going on. We've had we've had Basewater City play Blacktown City in the final in twenty. I want to say it was 2015. I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, but, yeah, we've, we've had some good results from the national finals before. So the fact that all of that's getting sort of thrown away now, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's even worse for our competition. Yeah. Interesting. Very good insight into what's, what's been going on in Western Australia with the football scene over there. Okay. Uh, now, to finish, we're just going to touch on a situation which has occurred in Queensland 
in the NPL, which uh, has raised a few eyebrows, certainly mine, uh, with the Brisbane Raw Youth. They finished in the relegation places, but there was a ruling probably because they are Brisbane Raw Youth and they are a youth side of an A-League team, something to do with that, uh, that they couldn't be relegated and hence who was 10th place in the league and that's Logan Lightning FC who actually were just in the Australia Cup round of 32 as well have actually been relegated instead from 10th place uh, along with um, the team who finished 12th who I cannot remember off the top of my head unfortunately so Antonis welcome back to the podcast sorry uh, you were actually basically out of action there for about 15 minutes even though you were sitting there um, but I, right, I did it to Cody during the centenary podcast <laughs> yeah, did well. <laughs> we did it to Matt during the MPOSA luckily for you poor Pezos exists yeah <laughs> Pretty much. Basically, when Matt starts talking, you just mute your microphone and then like, you know, ba- you can basically right. just go- get up, go make yourself a cup of tea, do something else. That went on for far longer than I intended. But I, I actually have a lot of insight on this as well, because I don't yeah. know if you know this. I don't know if we still do. Pretty sure we might, though. We employ the same thing in WA. Glory can't get relegated. I'm sorry, but that's rubbish. And here we go. But, but, yeah. but, but, but just, hold, just hold on, just hold on. Because... Again, South Australia, New South Wales, Victoria. You guys have the you guys have the quality. You guys have the depth. Yeah. You guys have the infrastructure in place. We don't. We don't. True. And and even at seen even even at senior and professional level, like we, it's it's impossible for us to do this. You, you you know I don't know. Again, the League Rivers thing was pretty big, and and people listening to this might have actually seen footage of the game. Guys, you can see the freaking BP down the road next to behind <laughs> the net where Lee Griffith scored his his stunning goal. Right. Like we we play in some absolute shitholes, right? And that's 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 the level right below the MPL. Um, we we just so I we, guess we so I guess yeah. Sorry, sorry to cut you off. So I guess the feeling is the reason why you know an Adelaide United in in SA can still get relegated, which they don't, because we know that the senior team will put down A League players to play in that it's competition. Not that. Oh, you go. I'll talk. Yeah, about yeah, it yeah, yeah. No, just. So, because this is actually, this is good. This is good. This is an interesting debate here. So, so Matt's feeling here, which I don't think is actually totally wrong. I actually do agree to a, to an extent is that Perth and Brisbane, they don't have the same quality in the lower leagues, maybe as South Australia, and they don't have the same depth of infrastructure. So those youth teams have to be playing in the best football competition they can because those players are going to go on and play in the A-League, which makes makes a lot of sense in my opinion however my flip side would be what are you teaching those players that 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 is mm. that is the big that is the big thing here and i think antonis that's probably something you're going to touch and on and i also want to add tell that to the new south wales and victorian sides where all their sides in new, in victoria were playing in mpl3 victor yeah. uh, victory yeah. did not get promoted western united's up to two um melbourne city i think has gotten up to two as well so it's not just a uniquely state-by-state state thing. Other states, well, their teams are just not good. And it, Melbourne Victory and City and West United don't have that excuse with um, W and Brisbane may have about the quality because Victoria and New South Wales are stacked. Mm. For me, they don't pay enough attention or respect to those sides, but that's another argument. But for me, it's like you just said. What are you teaching those guys? They finished, Brisbane's youth finished 10 points behind. Yeah, it wasn't even close. That was the other thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Imagine finishing 10 points above someone and still going down instead of them. 
first of all, to be honest, of the club, it would kill you. Number one, number two, with those kids who are at the formative stage of their learning as footballers, you're just basically giving them a free pass to mail it in for six months, whatever it might be. You know, I just don't like. I hate the idea of it. And I'll go back to Adelaide. With Adelaide United Youth, the past three years, that side has survived in the final week or two of the year. They've been near relegation spots. And for me, honestly, they've looked worse when they've dropped those A-League players down. Yeah, but I don't... like. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just jumping for a second. I don't like that at all. So, because... The, the dropping of the A-League players down. Yeah, to, I hate to help. Yeah, yeah that's good. Because, yeah, yeah um, just, like, just like we just said about yeah. what are you teaching the players, well, those players need yeah. to be put in the situation where yeah. they can try and get out Absolutely, of it and survive. Yeah. yeah, so Last year, um, Adelaide Blue Eagles away, who finished bottom, mm. Adelaide United went up there and played them. Should have won, but dropped um, John Yol, who was running the show that season for United Midfield, dropped him on the bench to start Louis Dorigo. Yeah. And Louis Dorigo is a great player, but it just completely threw off the midfield balance, you know, and it just fell apart and they lost that day. So it doesn't always work. Just because you drop a player of quality, that player is still Louis in his early 20s. You know, they're not a world beater. But that's another topic. Um, United's youth has survived in the last two weeks of the season, the last three years in a row. Survived, could have gone down. If they finish the bottom two, they go down like everyone else. But this year, it just clicked. And from the years I've watched them, this year was the only time that side has played, not as a bunch of individuals, but a side that plays for each other, a proper football side. They played finals this year. So for me, these kids that I've seen that a couple of years ago would have just spat the dummy and sometimes mm. you would say, I rescued those A-League players, have actually learned are actually playing for each other. A couple of them have gone scholarship contracts. A couple of them might even feature in... Well, John, Johnny O, you just there. mentioned there, went for a trial yeah. at Chelsea. So Went to a trial for Chelsea, was in the talent ID camp. So for me, you need to have that, that possibility of... You might go down and you might be playing in the second division and then you go put in that spot. Are you going to stay with the A-League Academy and play in the second division? Or are you going to go to an NPL club? So for me, and the other argument, sorry, I'm just getting lost here, but <laughs> if you can't get relegated, can you play finals? Why are we rewarding them for not punishing them? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. I just want to say this. So um, with uh, the victory, they, they lost a playoff in the, in the third yeah. tier, right? The promotion yeah. relegation, yeah. Exactly, right. And, and I saw someone online make a really good point about, about the fact that this is supposed to be essentially like an all-star team of the best, the very best kids in the state, right? And it's, mm. it speaks a lot to systemic problems that they're still in a position where they're, they're struggling it out in the third tier, right? Mm. Resili resilience, you, you're, you're learning a lot about yourself as, as a footballer, about, about, you know, you're learning a lot about sort of facing adversity, which, which someone like, you know, Perth and, and, and Brisbane, they, they really could be using right now. But, and, you know, I, I guess for, for me, you know, because I, I, don't, I don't necessarily want to make the full argument for, for it either, but all of what you've just explained, right, there, there comes a degree of that being built from the fact that the clubs below, in the tiers below, are very, very technically sound. They're very, you know, they, they have a really good 
nature about the way they do their business. They have decent infrastructure. And it's not just the fact that you're struggling in the division below or even the division below that in Victory's case. It's the fact that these kids, you know, they're what, 17, 18 years old, and they're playing, they're playing against grown men. And these are, these are uh, uh, semi-professional semi um, clubs, right, and, 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 that, and that sort of thing. If you're, if you're getting those 17, 18-year-olds to drop down, and play against amateur footballers who are spending their spending their whole day at work. Not that the, the semi professionals aren't doing the same, but they they have a far more bigger priority on that because they know that this is about the top level of football they're they're going to get right. And so, let's say you send a bunch of 17, 18 year olds out there, they're maybe learning the resilience of it, and they're maybe uh, you know really taking a lot about where they can go in their own careers maybe some of them even are like I, I you know I don't want to play here I'm going to try and get a move to an NPL club and, and move and, and develop my mm -hmm. career in that way as well that's fine but the fact of the matter is you know if, if they go out there and they you know if they if they go out there and they win by heaps people will say well why, why have we why have we set it up in this way that you know these these young these young whiz kids are wasting their time playing against amateurs, or they're going to look at it from the perspective of if we lose, that the entire system is is corrupted and broken, and we need to do something about it. And they might even end up abolishing the academy. Like I, I don't know. For for me, there's just there's there's too much there that's at risk. If you if you understand what I mean by that. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think that's a good point. I think my counter to that would be if that's the academy of an A League team then there's absolutely no way that should be relegated. I actually do think that like not, and it's not necessarily that they should definitely be making finals either. I just think if that's supposed to be basically some of the best, not necessarily, it's not, and it's not always the best. We should say that because sometimes the best get developed. If we're just using South Australia as an example, sometimes the best get developed at Campbelltown or at, mm -hmm. you know, Metro or at Adelaide city. So it's not necessarily always the best group of players, but it is definitely a good enough group of players that you know if, if these guys are basically in the shop window that in two three years they're going to be playing a league then you know no offense but they should be good enough to stay up and uh can and, I, yeah, yeah i'll go after you continue i'll go after you then. no no that, that that's all i had yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's the other thing for me as well because first of all they're kids you know with adelaide united mm. you got players as young as 15 and 14 actually getting minutes yeah. and if you're basically hitting 20s you're ancient you know in that side so they're kids. So it's going to be very, very, very rare that you're actually going to get the continuity in focus, in quality and fitness that you are going to be winning everything that I've seen at least in our league. Second of all, what if you are in that league and instead of just winning it, you're being absolutely battered every week? What's that? Imagine getting that Melbourne victory sign out from the third division and dropping them against South Melbourne's and dropping them against Oakley's mm -hmm. and stuff mm -hmm. like that. What yeah. could they yeah. possibly but Antonis, from that? Antonis, Antonis. Yeah. in Victoria, that is actually the MPL. In in WA, in Queensland, maybe Queensland has a second MPL. I, I don't necessarily they do. They know do. they do. Yeah. It's okay. Well, okay, they do. It's a little bit of a different circumstance there. But in, in WA, right, you drop you drop Glorious Youth Team down. They they are literally playing. Oh, against sorry, sorry, state sorry. League amateurs. Sorry, and my bad. No, no, Queensland don't have a second MPL. My bad. Sorry. No, no, but to, to certifies my point. They're playing against state league amateurs. They don't. We don't. We cannot afford to go from playing South Melbourne to to playing. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't. I don't actually know who's in the in the third division at the moment. Um, but but like the victory have the have the 
have the the depth where their kids can be tested against the very top level of the MPL, uh, sort of middle tier of the MPL, and they can start to get further down into those reaches where the players get a bit more amateurish and, and the clubs are a bit more under resourced. Right, that's fine. But we we don't we we only have you know eleven or twelve clubs where that can really be the case in these states, and and especially I'll tell you what in Queensland it's even worse. Because in Queensland, they've had this really big issue for years and years and years about the fact that there's some really, really quality footballers, but they play in Cairns and Townsville and places mm-hmm. like that where mm-hmm. they can't afford, the infrastructurally, they, they can't afford yeah. to. Yeah, exactly. So it's, a, it's an even bigger problem in Queensland because the metro itself doesn't actually have all the quality. It's other rural areas. And mm-hmm. we talked about the fact that Ipswich has produced the most ever, ever Socceroos. It's weird areas like that. It's not actually in the, in the, in the city themselves, you know, so... I, again, for me, I just I I think I can sympathise a lot with the decision, um, but I I don't know if it's I, I don't know if it's right and, and and a just thing to do. I just know that if we're sending our fifteen year olds to play against proper amateurs, we're not we're not teaching them the right lesson either. So there's a delicate balance with it, and it's a very confusing, difficult, a very Australian problem yeah, actually. It, it is. Well, so, you know, you know, you know what would help all of this? A national. Yes. Second competition. Oh, oh no, well. yeah. And one that one that doesn't go one that doesn't yeah. go for fucking Ten weeks. What, seven, have fucking yeah. eighteen. No, not yeah. the Mickey yeah. Mouse Cup. Yeah, no, none of that. It needs to be done properly. And Joey Lynch posted that posted mm. that um he's been told it's not happening next year, which is ridiculous. But that's besides the That's point. the thing, but, yeah, right? Like you like you guys you guys are having yeah, you know, we're, we're having a debate. You here. Way. Yeah, we're having a debate here around how to work around this within the system as it currently is but but the answer really is the system needs to change so yeah, yeah um in, in my opinion anyway um but mm-hmm. well from what from what i believe antonis you you were saying that they actually have changed it so i think brisbane yeah, and I perth well, well actually i don't know about perth in wa yeah. but i think brisbane in from future in queensland they could be relegated we'll yeah. we'll go down okay yeah i i i think in WA, it's been quite an off and on again situation. Again, I haven't been a diehard MPL fan going back yeah. a few years now, so I, I don't know. Um, but in, I'll tell you, in 2016, 17, um, sort of when when um, Kenny Lowe was in charge of the glory, I remember there being a really big um, controversy going back, not to like the MPL level, but to kids in sort of under 13s and under 14s, where basically because rich parents were paying a lot for glory players to to be in the academy and, and play and play games i know this is a really big problem in australia but basically there was like i don't i don't want to say this because i don't know it for sure but there was there was sort of some levels of corruption with the way that younger glory players would be officiated in games and i mean like i just don't know what you're achieving by that like it's mm. it's it's really fucked up but it just speaks to the fact that we're trying really hard to build an elite level of players and we have next to no idea how to do it in the very tight, limited system that we're in all the way up to the professional level where we're having all these administrative problems now. So, like, I can I can sympathise a lot with Queensland in that respect and I, I know it's even worse in WA. So, I, I you know, I just... For me, it's just that, that we're, we're in a systemic, systemically broken system and there's there's no easy answers of, of any which way to go yep i uh i can't can't uh, argue too much with that uh particularly tough times um for for football in in wa and for football really in in queensland as well particularly with uh, the brisbane raw of course there's a lot of stuff going on in there 
two, which is probably for another podcast. But well, uh, yeah, yeah, another, that... another quick comment about them. Yeah. They're in the position with Vince Regari's article that they're being threatened to be expelled from the NPL, Brisbane, because they still owe $100,000 to the Federation, which is one of the big list of problems. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, yeah. just... just... Oh, yeah. I think uh, Brisbane Raw and the Backery Group could be dedicated one whole podcast. Um, yeah, because yeah, uh, there's there's certainly a bunch of stuff fancy, going on. See, fancy having the government build you a facility and then you not being able to afford that facility and getting yeah. kicked out of it. Well done, well done. Seriously, you like, Brisbane Raw trains at the Gold Coast and plays at at, um, right, right, at yeah, Red like Red literally travel the length of the fucking metro. As a, as a professional football club in this country. Yeah. Well, what in the fucking world is that? <laughs> but, 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 but I do sympathise a lot with Queensland as well because we, we know there is a really big expat community yeah. all the way up north and mm. we know there's a lot of quality there. And those clubs, they've played in the – they've even gone as, as far as having a few good runs in the FA Cup. They had their own professional team in the A-League a few years ago and now there's nothing there yeah. because they can't, they can't afford to have that gap sure. between the north and the uh, – you know, like What was it? The really news about the Magpies Crusaders. Something mm. happened over there and it's just constantly feels like they're the ones on the short end of the stick. And as you said, a lot of the qualities up there that no one will ever know about because we are not doing anything to help out. No, no. But, but uh, uh, for me, I think they sort of need to be in a position. Now, mind you, the quality of it would, would easily be, if they had their own league, the quality of it would easily be the worst. But maybe we need no, to yeah. do something like what they do with the Northern New South Wales Federation. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, Mind you, they would only have a, a, a league with like six teams in it and the quality would get pretty dire pretty quick. But I'm just thinking that that might be a, a solution as well. I, like, I don't know. I don't know how you solve any of this, but that's why area. it's such a big, it's a that's why it's such a big yeah. problem. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, just commiserations to Logan as well, who, who, yeah, as we said, finished 10 points above Brisbane Raw youth and are still getting mm. relegated. Now, that club... Who, who I know a little bit about, I've done a little bit of research into them. Now, they actually, <laughs> that was their second year in the NPL, uh, Logan, and they're down now back in the second division. They've actually became Logan Lightning uh, not that long ago. I'm try- I think 2011, uh, it was about 11 years ago. Um, so, yeah, fancy that. First Australia Cup appearance, basically bounced out straight away, despite playing pretty decently, and then got relegated when that technic- technically survived. So, yeah, uh, yeah. rough, yeah. rough. And Logan, for them. I know that Logan is a, is a hotbed for professional sport in it, Queensland. It, yeah, they've, yeah. Had, they've had a lot of really big programs. Obviously, that's where the old um, um, Brisbane Raw base was that they got kicked out of. Um, and they've also had a lot of really good uh, basketball programs as well. Historically, they had a, a professional setup with the Logan. They're also called the, the Logan Lightning in the women's mm-hmm. basketball. So, um yeah, it's a it's a really really big big area, um, and just a shame that the lying are, are kicked out of sort of what would be the the the, the sort of creme de la creme of, of their own sort of setup. So it's hugely unfortunate for them, um, but honestly, the authorities in, in Queensland, places like the WA, we just we just got to find a way to make this work because it's it's I mean it's it's a deeply rooted problem that our MPLs are having this kind of stuff go down, and our you know. Our, our professional clubs as well in Perth and Brisbane are really, really suffering with all kinds of, of bad stuff at mm. the moment. So, 
yeah, um, I'm sure it's 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 a quite fun for you guys because you get to bring a fucking you know, third tier team here. Sorry, no second second tier team here and win five two in the cup. They're but, up, you know, they're an NPL team now, so that's they're, fine. They're, Matt. They're oh, basically yeah. an NPL team when they travel to you yeah. as well. Anyway, like there were a couple of they basically they've got their the NPL's player of the year from last year mm. playing for them. They're quite a solid side, so it's a weird there's dynamic. not too much shame in losing in them. Yeah. And it just, uh, yeah, Logan as well. I know of two current A League players that they did help develop Ramak Abari and James Donerkey, if you want to just uh, fun fact about that. Yeah. I, did did, uh, did Akbari move to, straight to Queensland from Afghanistan? Because he's, he's an immigrant, isn't he? Um, I'm not too sure uh, if. I think, didn't he play? Didn't he start off at Melbourne, Victory? Yeah, I think. He did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not too sure if Akbari is he an immigrant or is he just he's got Afghani connections and that's why he plays in them. He's got a heritage. I think he was born there, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That that's yeah. Uh, now we look like terrible journalists, but that's not you know. That's come on. That's that's a really tricky one. You know, you got to give us benefit down on that one. Anyway, <laughs> uh, any any last thoughts uh, before we go, fellas? Uh, sorry, I dragged it on too long with my rant, and then just threw you under the bus about it, Barry. Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's right. We'll talk privately. <laughs> yep. Bring on finals. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, we... cup, 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 cup quarterfinals tomorrow. It's very exciting. So that's we right. Be happy that's about right. that. Right? Uh, no, you can't say tomorrow because this won't be out tomorrow. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh no! Now, now that's, you're gonna actually stop. That's why I up. haven't mentioned it. That's why I haven't mentioned it because I well, really wanted well, to. <laughs> so this is how we do it. This is how we do it. So, cup quarterfinals on Wednesday night tonight because I will publish this. Well, definitely hoping to post this on Wednesday. So tonight. Oh, right, guys, can you can you believe that Sydney FC won seven nil? Fuck. It took me a second to figure out what in the world you were talking about. Oh, man. <laughs> I'll I'll you, I think we do these too late as well. Anyway. I man. know. All right. So it's, All right. Him. it's we're the ones you get to pick your time and you gave him an advantageous time and you put us here at still nearly 10 o'clock. Okay, look, that's that's what my schedule dictates. You know, <laughs> that is what my schedule dictates. Um, you anyway. do you do work all times all times of the night. Though, aren't you? You're quite the night owl, Christian. Yeah, no, I really am. I'm I'm really I'm like a <laughs> like an eight an eight till kind of nine sort of guy. Like it's like a mm-hmm. it's like a thirteen hour day probably. Yeah. God. So, anyway, whatever. Uh, so make sure, yeah, don't miss the games. Then, of course, New South Wales all finished up, but we've got SA, Campbelltown, and Comets playing elimination on Friday night. Then we've got Victoria, two preliminary finals this week as well. So those, those are probably the big games to watch out for in the MPL. All right, so that'll do it for another edition of the FPF podcast, this MPL themed podcast, and uh, hopefully we will be back soon as uh, we get closer. And closer, I guess, to the to the A League Men campaign kicking off, and uh, all sorts of stuff that is probably going to go down. It's Australian football. There's always some bullshit happening, uh, isn't there? So uh, there will be uh, something to talk about. All right, uh, thanks for joining me, fellas, and uh, thanks to everyone who's listening. And we'll see you in the next one soon. Yeah.